It's hard to be completely dependent on someone else, whether you're recovering from a long illness or relying on a guide to get you through a foreign country. Most people go out of their way to avoid needing others, but God calls us to completely rely on Him. This week, pastor and counselor Doug Wellborn joins Gary to share how dependency on God has enormous benefits for our spiritual and emotional health. Before we join them, though, we want you to know that you can receive daily biblical encouragement through emails. World Challenge offers daily devotional emails that you can sign up for at worldchallenge.org as a regular reminder of God's goodness. Now here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Hi, Gary Wilkerson here on the uh, Gary Wilkerson podcast. I'm real excited about today's podcast. I think we're going to see some and hear some amazing things. Uh, we're going to be talking with Doug Wellborn today about uh, developing the inner strength to carry out the kind of ministry that God's called you to and soul care and some really good issues. And uh, Doug was a pastor for many, many years in uh, New Jersey and now uh, works part with, partly with the World Challenge doing pastor's conferences uh, all over the world and leading a uh, very life-changing ministry there and also then per, uh, personal counseling ministry with other pastors as well. So Doug, welcome. Glad you're here and looking forward to talking to you about uh, some deep issues, some things that are really Thank deep you. on our heart. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, you and I met, uh, you were my pastor for a good number of years when we lived in New Jersey, my wife and I and four kids there. You were an amazing pastor and uh, now moved on to something else. Let's uh, work backwards uh, right now. What, uh, what what are you doing right now? I was a pastor for a very long time and uh, over 30 years actually. Um, came from a pastor's family, so it was kind of a natural transition for me. I um, kind of knew what to expect and slid into it pretty easily. Um, I pastored all different sizes from like 60 to 1200. Um, But I found out over time that my gift was in regard to pastoring, um, revitalizing churches that were hurting. for some reason, the inside has always been very important to me as opposed to creating an outer appearance of health. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to pursue true inner health. So um, I found myself in the later years moving. I actually worked for our denomination for a while and then a company that did this, um, it was their purpose to go to churches that were struggling. Usually, as you go on, you try to go to larger and larger churches. But for me, I would go to struggling churches with the express purpose um, of intentionally um, dealing with uh, systemic um, dysfunction Mm -hmm. in those churches and um, working with the leadership um, to get to a place where they were willing to deal with those hard issues. And it could be, um, it could be very, very difficult, but saw some wonderful um, change in those churches. Sometimes, you know, people would leave or people would be hurt by that, and I'm sorry for that. Um, but that's what it took because sometimes those people were were, they weren't well, really, um, in some emotional 
ways and they weren't willing to look at it so so you see um i think you and i experience some of the similar things when we do pastors conferences or ministering to churches uh, and the people within the church as well is that you know there's this um, there's this perception that because you're a Christian, some kind of salvation experience happened to you that you're definitely going to be healthy now and your family's going to be tight-knit and all together and you're not going to have any emotional or relational problems. Yes. Your your experience would say otherwise? Yeah, a big otherwise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not just otherwise. Big otherwise. Yeah. Um, there's still not a lot of people addressing this. Mm. Uh, there are people now... Um, Pete Scazzaro is a guy who's really making an impact on that particular issue of um, just because you become a Christian means you're emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you, you, I think you recommend that book to me, and I read it. Uh, uh, emotionally, emotionally healthy, healthy spirituality. spirituality. So yeah. I would recommend that. Yeah. Um, and there are some others that are. Um, beginning to get into this kind of stuff so i'm thankful for that but do you think the um do you think the expectation of somebody who becomes a christian and then the expectation of people who are already christians are that becoming a christian or or living christian life is supposed to kind of almost automatically take care of all of your emotional relational uh, difficulties and and you're, you're going to be sort of like now i'm not going to be lonely or now i'm not going to be depressed or now i'm not going to be suicidal or now i'm not going to be addicted <clears throat> do you feel like there's an expectation for uh, a decision for christ to solve all your problems i think there is a lot a lot of that um i think th- that teaching is found in a lot of churches not all churches um, I think some teachers teach that the more Bible you know intellectually will produce that. Mm. Um, I also think, unfortunately, the way we're moving in our society, um, there is uh, more and more apathy, which would say... I hate to say this, but I don't really care. Um, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to accept Jesus as my Savior. But they don't think very much about their Christianity mm-hmm. enough to um, really um, analyze those questions. I think that's a, a growing blight. Um, I would say five years ago, how you described it would describe the majority of Christians. I have become a Christian, so now um, I'm a new, you know, the Bible says I'm a new creature, so I'm a new creature. I shouldn't, you know, I'm not going to get depressed. Or So someone said, you know, you have a problem. You should probably go and get some help. They would say, I'm a Christian. Why would I do that, you know? And there's still a lot of that, I think. <clears throat> so the uh, the um, is it a, is it a false expectation? Then? I mean, we don't want to belittle the the power of of the the experience of coming to Christ. I mean, He washes our sins away. He gives us a new heart. Uh, renews begins the process of renewing our mind. Uh-huh. And yet the expectation is is sort of like okay, now your marriage is supposed to be instantaneously healed. If you have kids who are prodigal son, they're going to come home. Yeah. But that's that's not the reality, right? And is would you say it's 
Yeah, you know, I don't. I think you're right, and we don't belittle it. And I and I probably some stuff is happening because God is in you, mm-hmm. and um, God works in ways we don't understand. So you do become a Christian. Some people have more of a transformation right away than others. Okay. You know, we've all met certain people that have been instantly maybe released from a addiction or something. That's not the norm. Right. Most Christians still have to go through a, you know, rehab and, and the normal mm-hmm. process. But um, that is, there may be some fruit. Um, I don't like to limit God and say there's right. nothing happening. But I agree with you that that attitude that says I'm a Christian now and so you know, I'm transformed is a fallacy and a dangerous fallacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have, uh, <clears throat> so you have somebody who, that's that's kind of where you come along in a sense. Whether it be a, a pastor who's saying like, well, I, I know I shouldn't be depressed, or I know I shouldn't feel like giving up, or I know I shouldn't be caught in this habitual pattern of sin. <clears throat> whether it be a pastor or a member of a congregation, a Christian, that's kind of where you come in and start ministering to them, right? And and if and what. What do you start doing to help them uh, through some of that stuff? I know it's a really broad question, but... Uh. Well, I think you can break that up. Um, sometimes people don't want to hear it um, because they haven't had many problems, and that has worked for them. Um, some people, you might call them legalists or moralists. They try to live a good life. Um, and that's worked for them. Eventually it won't, but for now, they don't want to hear any other mumbo-jumbo about a deeper life or anything like that. Um, And then there are those who, they become a Christian, and uh, one of three things happen. Um, They say it doesn't work, so um, they get mad, or they run, mm-hmm. or they just sit in the back of the church, um, disillusioned. Mm-hmm. They don't quit because they do believe they're a Christian, but they're disillusioned. And um, they have to get desperate enough to say, there's got to be more than this. Mm-hmm. So. Or they can, everybody, just put everybody in a bucket and they can be in a church and you can have a pastor that comes in and starts talking about a new message. But what will happen is if a message has been preached like we've been talking about, you're a Christian now and so you need to be doing this and this and this because you have the power of God in you. If you bring in another pastor who begins preaching um, this which we're probably going to talk about this other message Mm -hmm. it will create it's what the Bible calls a new wineskin and uh, the new wineskin will explode because the old wine or the old wineskin will explode because you're going to pour that new wine in there and you're going to have conflict and and stuff like that 
Hmm. So you, 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 I want to get to what you're talking about, the, the message, <clears throat> before we do. Um, you mentioned about somebody getting to the place of, you know, you've got these people that have a sort of a laissez-faire attitude about their faith. They're like, well, I'm saved. I'm going to sit in the back of the church with an attitude or maybe angry and repressing it. <clears throat> but for the one that you mentioned that, that come, becomes aware of their inner turmoil, the, the, the pain, <clears throat> the suffering, and they're desperate for help. So they come to you, whether it be, because you deal a lot with Christian leaders, uh, but broaden it out to anybody, would, you know, whether yeah. you're Christian leader or not, but they're desperate. They, they finally want help. They say, like, um, you know, here, here's the presenting problem. So what do you do as a, a counselor and a leader to try to help walk them through that? Uh, okay, without getting into detail about um, a lot of techniques, right. um, I'll go right to the message um, that I'm trying to help them understand. Um, the reason that people, um, and pastors are complicit, but sometimes it's because they don't know themselves. Um, the reason that people are having problem is they don't apply what happened at their second birth when they're born again, saved, any terminology you want to use, they don't apply that to after mm-hmm. they're born again. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's not that complicated. <laughs> um, though it is, though there is, it is more complicated, but it's, it's the same message after as it is when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, what happens? You become aware that I cannot deal with the sin. I don't have the ability. I'm a sinner, um, whatever it might be. I might be a horrible sinner. You know, I might be a rapist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I might just be a person that's very angry or, um, you know, I lie or, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, so I come to Jesus and I say, I see clearly that I'm not right and I can't fix it. So will you forgive my sins and receive me? I receive you. Will you receive me in, into your family and make me one of your children? So I become a Christian. It's a wonderful thing. And that never goes away. Um, but then that's it. But what needs to happen is that exact same thing called sanctification, if you want a a theological word, needs to continue. And for some reason, um, which I won't take the time to get into right now, but several reasons, people can seem to have a very, very difficult time. Most Christians, almost all Christians, applying that basic principle of Christianity going forward. They instead um, revert back to trying to be good. They know they weren't good enough at salvation, but they try to be good enough afterwards. It's illogical, really. So um, ultimately, my goal is to convince them that just as they couldn't become a Christian, they needed Jesus to forgive their sins, they need just as much, um, and that's the key 
it's not you can't do this halfway or part way they need jesus just as much to live their lives overcoming sin and becoming um, a person that is like jesus which we're told is the goal or one of the major goals um, by jesus in us now he's in us okay when we say when we were saved he came inside of us that's the great miracle that's the wonderful miracle mm -hmm. his power is his life that's what the bible that's how it's referred to its power it's a lot you know mm -hmm. but it's his very life the life that promoted him from death to life mm -hmm. resurrection life and you were saying earlier in a conversation i was listening to you talk about this that, that the greek word there is is interesting about life right uh you said it was it's not bios it's yeah, it's, it's interesting because in, in the Greek there's different words, several different words, but two main words for life. One is bios, and uh, that's our regular physical life. You can, biology, mm -hmm. um, and we live our regular lives, and we, can, and we try to live our Christian life with, our bio, with, with bios, okay? And that will not work. It didn't work before we were a Christian, and it doesn't work. We can, we can be, try to be good, which is moralism. Every, it's like every other religion. The problem is a lot of Christians live like other religions. I'm not saying that they, they're not Christians or they are in other religions, but their core um, belief unfortunately becomes the same and that is to please God enough to be accepted well they're already accepted they'll never they'll never stop being accepted so they have to stop trying to be accepted okay but they're still trying to do that with bios be good be good that's called moralism or behavioralism or if you want to get into a biblical discussion uh, it would be legalism mm -hmm. okay um, so Zoe is this exciting exciting idea of it's literally the life of God mm -hmm. this gets me very excited every time I talk about it because this is what's been given to us mm -hmm. so everything that's in God is in us Okay, so I'm going to have to take a, a sidebar in order to help with that because the question um, immediately comes to most people, well, if I have the life of God in me, why aren't I acting like God? And the reason for that is that God, Jesus says that we need to... Um, identify with God we need to walk the walk he walked Jesus walked the walk the father did he went to the cross okay even though he never sinned and he says you need to walk the life I walked even though you're without sin now too in order to be like me mm -hmm. <clears throat> In fact, he said, you need to pick up your cross every day and follow me. Mm -hmm. So what's the cross? If it's not Jesus hanging on it, what is this thing? The cross is a path 
that if you're going to change, um, if this life of God that you have is this great gift, this Zoe, is going to begin to come out, you have to walk the cross. The cross is um, Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you the short term, but he is going to lead you. Everything has a purpose. That's what we forget, okay? Mm -hmm. So he's going to lead you in your life, and, and uh, some things will be good. He'll lead people into your life that will teach you things quickly, and then they might disappear, or he might lead a teacher into your life. I mean, it can be anything. He's so creative and smart. Hmm. I mean, we, you know, he's so big. He's beyond anything we can dream of, okay? That's, you just got to keep reminding yourself that God is like, he's so big that if you saw him, your head would blow off, okay? <laughs> so he's massive, so he can do anything. He's, and he takes pleasure in like in our lives and moving things around. So um, part of it, though, it's the cross. That's an instrument of pain. So he's going to bring some pain into your life. And no one wants that. I don't want it. I've had it. I hate it, okay? Mm -hmm. You hate it, I hate it. But if you'll walk with him, if the purpose is to draw you to him during those times. And if you'll do that, rather than run away and get mad at him, which, which is okay if you do for a season. This is a process. But in time, as you walk with him, you'll begin to see he's, it's him working in you. So say you, um, um, you get sick and uh, it lasts for a while. You're saying, oh, you know, I'm a younger person. What's going on? I'm mad at God. But if you wait on him and move towards him and and say, you know, I love you, and say, show your love to me. Over time, things begin to happen inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a journey. As you do that journey, you'll be surprised. God will begin to show himself, and you'll begin to mm -hmm. know his love, and you'll begin to love him. And that's the journey of the cross, okay? Um, it's a story in the Bible where Jesus says, um, there's a seed and in the seed, we all know, is life. You plant a seed and a flower will come up or a, a tree or whatever. But a seed is very, very inimpressive, right? Nothing is more or less impressive than a seed. It's a little brown or gray thing. It's like, I got your seed, you know. Great, thanks, you know. No, no one wants a seed. But you take that seed, you put it in the ground, Jesus says, and there's warmth and there's uh, moisture and minerals, and the husk comes off, and then the life that is inside is spectacular, and it explodes, and he says that it will multiply, okay? And so that's what's happening with the cross, okay? The more you grow, the more you walk and allow God to do what he's gonna do, that husk breaks. And more and more, that Zoe life begins to grow and flow out of you. And it's not you doing it. It's him doing it. And you find yourself being kinder and more loving. And you find yourself being a different person. doesn't mean you don't fall back and do stupid stuff and, and be a jerk. Because it takes time. 
and he's gracious. Mm. It's good. I like that. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good encouragement. I think that does speak a lot to my question of you know, the person who's struggling. Uh, you know, th- those are some really good. You know, I would. Good, I would. If truths. I'm counseling yeah. a person, that would. That wouldn't be. I wouldn't do that in you know five minutes. I'd be. Yeah. Yeah. Working with them for them. a long time. There's a journey that dealing with through. their pain, which mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> is real and. But ultimately, I would want them to see that Christ wants to live through them. We need God throughout our entire life, the same way a very small child needs a loving caregiver. And trying to live as if we can take care of ourselves will only hurt us in the end. God wants us to rely on Him for the transformative power in our lives. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound design for this episode by Mike Hallsmith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington with video production by Aaron Gale. We hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast for more encouragement. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.